Hello everyone, my guest today is Purina Gupta. She is the founder and CEO of a startup called Tooked. Hook redefines fiction for the generation set and has hit the number one spot in the apps on over 25 countries. With Hook, they are currently reaching over 100 million people from the generation set on a monthly basis across apps like Snapchat and TikTok. Hook has raised a total amount of $50 million yet. So Purina, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show today. My pleasure to be here. Thanks, Thomas. Yeah, it's great to have you. So you're joining in from the Bay Area, San Francisco. Um, very interesting to have you here. Give us a little more background about who you are and basically how you got to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So I am, uh, my name is Prerna Gupta. I'm co-founder and CEO of Hooked. Uh, Hooked is a mobile television network uh, for Gen Z. We reach 100 million Gen Z viewers around the world across our own mobile apps and also on social media platforms like TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, and YouTube. And uh, I've been a, uh, an entrepreneur my entire career. I co-found all of my startups with my husband, Parag. We met at Stanford about 16 years ago and have been doing startups together ever since. Uh, this is our third one. And we've been building mobile apps um, since the early days of the app store. So our previous company was in the music space. We used machine learning technology um, to make music creation apps, basically, um, for iPhone and Android devices. Um, and this was early days of the App Store, uh, you know, 2008, 2009. Uh, we launched some kind of quirky music creation apps. One of our big apps was something called Songify, which turns speech into song. You talk into the phone and it'll process your voice and turn it into a melody. Um, it was really fun. It was kind of the wild, wild west of, uh, of mobile apps. <laughs> um, and we definitely rode that wave and, you know, uh, launched several top 10 apps and then ended up selling that company to our competitor, Smule, which is now the largest developer of, of music creation apps in the world. And then we were executives at Smule for a couple of years. I was chief product officer there and Parag was chief scientist. And we reached um, hundreds of millions of people with our apps uh, during that time. And, uh, you know, just learned a lot. I think, you know, the, the app store evolved and obviously the world evolved uh, during that time um, in the first 10 years of, of you know, um, of smartphones and, and mobile apps. Uh, we went from almost nobody using smartphones to almost everyone using smartphones. So it was an incredible journey for us. We learned so much. Um, but after a few years at Smule, we kind of started to get the creative itch again and wanted to strike off on our own. So um, we left Smule and uh, decided to travel for a while. Um, we ended up traveling for a year and a half, spent a lot of time on beaches all over the world. It's and nice. So you did kind of like a world it, it was, tour? <laughs> it was a wonderful experience. I'm so thankful we did it, especially now, you know, when we're uh, all stuck at home. But um, while we were doing that, we started to write a novel for young adults. It's a sci-fi fantasy trilogy set in Silicon Valley in the future. And, you know, it's something we had been kind of dreaming of writing for a while. And while we were writing, we started to just think more about the business of storytelling. Um, we were thinking both in terms of books and Hollywood. And the reason, you know, we were thinking about this is, you know, if we were going to spend our time writing this story, we wanted to do everything we can to make it a hit. We wanted to create this story that... I mean, our dream was to make something like Harry Potter, you know, this iconic generation defining story that maybe can reach hundreds of millions of people around the world, like we did with our music apps. And we started to just ask ourselves, how do you do that? How do you create a hit story today? 
And obviously the industry where hit stories are made today is Hollywood. And so we started to just educate ourselves and, and, you know, we just asked us, you know, we just kind of asked around and started to learn, you know, how do, how do the players in Hollywood identify um, hit concepts? How do they, especially hit concepts written by unknown creators? You know, we were unknown completely at that time um, in terms of, you know, I mean, we were tech entrepreneurs, but certainly not known as storytellers. You know, how does Hollywood identify hit stories, hit concepts by unknown creators? How do they decide which things to invest in, how much to invest, and how do they find audiences for these stories? And the more we learned, the more we felt like there was a really big gap between how consumers are living their lives today and how they're consuming media and accessing media, um, which is, of course, increasingly all done on a mobile phone, um, and how the kind of industry establishment approaches the creation of that media. Uh, the industry, you know, uh, in a nutshell, is stuck basically 20 years in the past for the most part. Um, and consumers, meanwhile, are, are forging ahead. And so we felt like maybe there was something that we could do given our experience developing entertainment apps for Gen Z, for, you know, for younger demos. Um, and in a lot of ways, combining that with our ignorance in this, in this space of Hollywood and, and, you know, storytelling to just do something different, to think about things differently, think outside the box and come up with a new media company that really approaches content development um, and production from a mobile first perspective. So that's why we started Hooked. Um, we started the company in 2015. Um, so it's been uh, five years and uh, it's, it's been, you know, a, a long journey, but an incredible journey. Um, we've been very fortunate to attract some amazing investors over this period and just been growing our audience step by step and we're reaching quite a large audience now, but for us, you know, this still feels like the beginning in a lot of ways. We have grand ambitions. I want to reach a billion people one day. <laughs> so, you know, we still have a long way to go. Yeah, but that's a very, very interesting story um, that you build up over these. And I think it's very interesting that you're <clears throat> doing all of that with your husband. So that's an interesting combination, I guess. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, you know, it's not for everyone, but for us, I mean, it's it's just, I can't imagine doing it any other way. You know, I think Parag is that's my co-founder for life, basically, my husband and co-founder yeah. for life. <laughs> and no, that's, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, and I think it works for us because we have very complementary skills. Um, you know, I'm the CEO, he's the CTO. And it's obviously we collaborate, you know, on strategic decisions, but in a lot of ways, our expertise are, you know, are, um, they're, they're, they're different. You know, we, we're, we're a good team because we both have our strengths and weaknesses. And, and when we work together, it, you know, the two are greater than the whole. Yeah, no, that's good. I, I, I love to hear that. So can you just elaborate a little bit on the business model of Hooked? So how do you guys basically make money? Yeah, so that is currently evolving. So when we started, we were, um, uh, we were, all of our content was just only in our own mobile apps on uh, iOS and Android, and we were charging a freemium subscription. So you could um, get, you know, some part for free. It was basically gated, so you could get, you know, read a few minutes for free. It was in the beginning, it was just reading. It was chat stories. Um, you could read a few minutes for free, and then, um, you know 
if, if you were not a subscriber, you would have to wait to get access to, to the rest of the content. Um, and so lots of people subscribed and um, we were, uh, you know, we had a very quite a lucrative business um, through that business model. But over time, uh, we started to publish our content outside of our own apps. Um, we started publishing on Snapchat. Snapchat actually approached us a few years ago and asked us if we would be interested in publishing our chat stories on Snapchat. We thought we'd give it a try, you know, I mean, we were not, that was not the plan initially, but we thought maybe we can publish some of our shorter stories and just see how they do. And they ended up performing really, really well. Um, you know, to this day, our, our chat stories on Snapchat have some of the highest um, viewership time uh, of, of any of the content on Snapchat Discover. And so we were really blown away by this, uh, the engagement that we were seeing. And so over time, we started publishing more and more of our content for free. And we went on to other platforms like YouTube and Instagram and TikTok. And um, now we're at a point where the vast majority of our audience is actually coming from these social media platforms um, on, on our free content. And so we are, um, our business model is evolving to, to support that basically. Um, so we're starting to, you know, uh, you know, brands have reached out to us for brand sponsorships and um, you know, the platforms are also interested in potentially um, co-producing some of this content for us. So essentially paying us to produce content for their platforms. So it's, it's shifting from a kind of direct to consumer subscription model to more of a, um, a, a sort of like a, you know, a B to C to B play basically where um, yeah. the businesses are, are, are paying us for the content. Got it. Very interesting. Um, so what were some of your top resources starting out? So um, what helped you in the beginning to, to build up multiple companies uh, on, a, on a level like that? Yeah, so I guess there, there are kind of two parts to that. One is just learning, you know, information and learning. One of the, uh, one of the kind of, um, you know, books that I swear by is Lean Startup by Eric Ries. Um, Eric Ries is actually one of our angel investors in Hooked. Um, he's someone that I've admired for many, many years. And so it was really, really cool to be able to get him as an investor in Hooked, uh, you know, after studying his work for so long. But uh, I just think every entrepreneur should read Lean Startup. It's, it's just... Um, it's not always intuitive, um, the, the principles that are in that book, but once you grasp it, you just can't do things any other way. And the, the core concept is just this idea that, you know, you should um, develop products, very, you know, in, uh, in small increments, essentially. So you develop what's called a minimum viable product first. Um, just quickly and cheaply, um, just the minimum amount of the product that you need to be able to get data to understand whether you're on the right track. And you, you, you um, use, you gather data, you know, you build a minimum viable product, you put that product out into the hands of your customers, you get data back and you use that data to iterate on your product and make small incremental improvements over time. And through that process of iteration, you eventually find product market fit. Um, it's such a, a brilliant uh, way of yeah, great book. It, it's an incredible book. So that that for you know for information, I think that's number one. Everyone should read Lean Startup. And then in terms of resources, I mean, honestly, angel investors uh, are they're so um, 
you know, so critical for uh, a healthy, um, you know, uh, startup ecosystem and they are angel investors. I mean, we wouldn't be here without them. You know, we had uh, for all of my companies, frankly, um, you know, just having that support early on of people who, you know, in the beginning, everyone thinks your idea is crazy. I mean, honestly, people still think <laughs> what I'm doing is crazy, you know, and it's just having those, those handful of people who just believe in you as a founder and your ability to make something out of nothing and believe in your vision. Mm. Um, angel investors have been uh, just such, have played such a pivotal role. And so for that, um, angel list, um, angel.co is an incredible resource for finding great angel investors. Interesting. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Um, wh what do you think is like your core skill as a CEO of, um, yeah, currently hooked? So I think, well, there, you know, there's, I think one is sort of just like a personality trait and then another is a skill that I've developed. Um, so the personality trait is just, I, I really don't, care that much about what other people think about me. And I think that that's really, really uh, important when you're doing a startup, because when you're doing a startup, a majority of the time, the majority of people will think what you're doing is stupid. And <laughs> so you're going to get rejected a lot. And it's really important to be able to just withstand that and keep going and to believe in yourself. And that, that personality trait, I think, was developed in me you know, because of my, just where I grew up. So I grew up as the oldest child of Indian immigrants in a small town in America, in Oklahoma, which is a very conservative state. It's one of the reddest states in the country. And um, growing up in a place like that when I was so different, really, it was difficult, but it taught me to just really be true to myself, you know, to dig deep and to know what, to, to know what I stand for and to, have the courage to just stay true to myself, even when others around me thought, um, you know, thought that what I believed in was wrong. Um, and so I think that's a very important personality trait for entrepreneurs. And then in terms of a skill, it's really, you know, I, I would just call it, I guess, product management. So just understanding, and it's not product management in the sense of like what a product manager does in a giant corporation, but it's just yeah. actually really, you know, how do you create from scratch? How do you create a product that um, doesn't exist in the world today that's going to resonate with users, that's going to hook them, you know, in, in the first few seconds of their interaction with your product? Um, and how do, you, how do you create a delightful experience? And that's something that I have, that's a skill that I have developed over many years. It, it's not like I didn't just you know, I wasn't just born, you know, this way. It's something that yeah. I've worked no, I over 16 years. And I, I do think that that's one of the things that I'm very much a product CEO, you know, and other, everybody has their skills. Some CEOs are amazing at networking or amazing at fundraising or PR or whatever. But for me, like it's, it's really about the product. I love building products. I love working with my team to build great products. Got it. That's, that's very interesting. In terms of your product, where do you see, or in, in terms of the industry, where do you see the industry going in the next five years and then in long term in the next 30 years? Yeah, I think so. I think television or just, you know, scripted content is going to change dramatically in the next five to 10 years. And it's, it's because 
the way that we consume media is is changing so dramatically. You know, if you look at it now, right, television is obviously it's changed already so much, but I think we're going to see an even bigger kind of step function change in this format. So this idea that Gen Z is going to sit on their couch and watch a TV show for 30 minutes or 60 minutes in this at a time in a linear fashion, um, I think is outmoded. Um, you know, Gen Z, their behavior is so different. They are on their mobile phones all the time. And it's not about being on the go. You know, like Quibi's whole premise was um, they're going to want to have these like five minute bite sized stories at when they're on the go. But that's not people don't just use their mobile phones when they're on the go. They use their mobile phones. Even we're all stuck inside our house now. We're still on our mobile phones all day. Yeah, long. definitely. Um, you know, and it's just the idea is it's just the mobile phone is really it's become kind of an extension of ourselves in a way. And it's the yeah, primary it way in which we interface with the world and with other people and with the content that's being created by people in the world. And with Gen Z, they're not just on one app or one website at a time. They're on multiple things at the same time. So it's like they're on TikTok and YouTube and Instagram and Snapchat and Messenger and, you know, whatever, Slack and Google Docs for All of the platforms. <laughs> exactly, like simultaneously. And I think that our scripted content, will, what we will see 10 years from now is that um, a great show, you know, that they want to interact with that show in multiple places. It's not just this 30 to 60 minute linear experience just on Netflix. It's sometimes it might be a 15 to 30 second experience on TikTok or maybe, you know, a five minute experience on Snapchat, and then maybe at some point a 15 to 20 minute episode on TikTok, but it's going to be this kind of multi-format, multi-length um, narrative experience that hits them at different points. Um, and so I think that's going to be a major shift that we see. And then the other thing that we'll see is just, it's going to be much more dynamic, much more real time and much more personalized. So right now, the way Hollywood, you know, the process is so slow. You know, you come up with a concept for a show and it takes years, literally years to develop. True. Yeah. In two to five years, you know, the world has completely changed. Um, so this idea that a show will be this static thing that you know develops over years i think we're gonna there will still be of course some shows and movies that take that approach but the majority of our shows will be much more real time they'll be changing on a weekly basis as the world changes and as as um, consumers change and then i do think machine learning is going to do a lot in terms of personalization so there are some crazy technologies that are being developed now that allow that allow you to change the face, you know, of, of a, a character in a movie. Um, you can completely, there's no, you don't have to dub things anymore. You know, I mean, it's still nascent, this technology, but it's uh, at each show can be in any language. Um, and so you, there's just so much that can be done to personalize content to be, you know, the preferences of the viewer. So it's going to be much more dynamic and personalized. Yeah. And I think that this is kind of like, a trend that we are seeing in a lot of industries, uh, to be honest, but it's, yeah, very, very interesting point of view. Um, last, yeah. yeah, last thing be, before we wrap up here is I'm interested in which role does, does your personal brand play for you as an, on the one hand side or on an, as an investor, but also as a founder? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a great question, you know, how much, how important is 
personal brand um, for the success of a company. And honestly, I think it just matter. It just depends on on the the founder and the nature of the company. Uh, in some cases, personal brand can be huge. I mean, if you look at someone like Elon Musk, you know he has a huge personality and a cult following, and I do think that that helps him achieve some of these you know, big outlandish dreams that he has. Um, but on the other hand, you see, you'll see companies that have very, um, you know, uh, CEOs that are very kind of just down to earth and, and quiet. And you, you really hear, rarely hear anything about them. Don't even they're, know them. Yeah. You don't know anything about them. And they're just these behemoths. Um, and so I don't think that, don't think it's at all necessary. I really think it just depends. And it, it sort of speaks a little bit to the point that I was making earlier about, you know, for example, I'm product CEO. I like to just, you know, I like to be with my team working on building products. Um, it's not that I don't enjoy talking to people or, or that I don't enjoy, you know, meeting amazing other people or, or, you know, talking to investors or whatever. I enjoy talking to those people, but in terms of where I want to spend my time, I'd much rather spend my time building a product. Um, there are other CEOs who spend the vast majority of their time networking, building relationships, doing PR, you know, making themselves famous, essentially. Um, and I think that it's an approach that can work, but it's, by no means necessary. I also think that can a lot of times lead you down the wrong path because you end up just spending all of your time just trying to build your own personal brand and you don't actually build a business. So if I were, um, you know, like if I'm making a decision to invest in a company or not, I'm much more likely to invest in a founder that's just heads down and focused on building a good company, um, whether or not they have a personal brand. Got it. Yeah. Thanks for your, thanks for your point of view here on, on that topic. Um, okay, Prina, let's wrap up here with the fantastic four question. Number one, is there a CEO that you're following or studying right now? Yes. Reed Hastings, CEO of Netflix. Interesting. Okay. Next question. Do you have any routines that you strictly follow on a day-to-day -day basis? Yes. So, uh, I am really into eating healthy food. I tend to prepare most of uh, my meals at home. I'm not really big on eating out. Uh, and my husband, my husband and I do this together. So we eat the exact same thing for breakfast and lunch every day. <laughs> Our breakfast <laughs> is a bowl of homemade muesli um, with, it's like oats, nuts, and seeds with yogurt, honey, and fruit. And um, lunch is basically an avocado sandwich on um, dark rye bread, actually German bread, uh, Mestemacher. Uh, nice. Sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> it is delicious. And yeah, that, that's like a really important routine for us. And I think it's, it really uh, has a big impact on our productivity because it's just the right amount of food and the right amount of energy without not, with not too much sugar. So we don't have like highs and lows. We don't crash. It just kind of keeps us, you know, with having optimal energy um, through the main part of the day. Yeah, got it. No, I think that's good. And it's, yeah, as I said, delicious. <laughs> okay. Um, so second last question, what is this, what is your favorite social media platform for business and what do you specifically use it for? So for our business, um, our 
new favorite social media platform has actually been TikTok. Um, and I know that's probably, you know, it's, it's not, I mean, it's because we're consumer facing, but TikTok has been really, really awesome for us. We've started publishing a lot of our content, a lot of our shows there. Um, and we just, the engagement that we see is just through the roof. Um, and I think TikTok is a really, it's just so fresh and different. Um, you know, it's, sometimes it's, it's, it's hard to understand, like, why would TikTok be so different from Snapchat, for example, or um, Instagram, but it's a really unique and different experience being on there. I think that they have offered incredible AR and AI tools um, for creators that are really awesome. And it just allows for a new kind of expressivity. So we are all in on TikTok and are, are, uh, have, have been using it, uh, that platform very effectively for, to grow our business. Nice. You also have a personal account where you share stuff or is it just for the business? I do have a personal account. I don't really talk about it much because I sing. It's, it's, it's like my singing account. I haven't really uh, gone public with it yet. I mean, it's public on okay. TikTok. But <laughs> You're not, um, not telling people about it yet. Yeah, exactly. I'm not really telling adults about it. <laughs> okay, yeah, got I'm, it. A, I'm a singer. I'm an amateur singer. And uh, so I sing on TikTok. <laughs> Nice. Okay. Very cool. If you want to share it, you can drop the name or we can put it in the show notes. You can decide on that later. Uh, sure. I'll tell you. No, it's just my first name, Prerna, P-R-E-R-N-A. Um, so that, that's my handle on TikTok. <laughs> okay. Very cool. Awesome. Then last question, Prerna, is what do you wish you knew when you were 20 years old? What do I wish I knew when I was 20 years old? Um, to not stress so much, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. everything's going to be okay. I mean, I think it's, it's, uh, I mean, stress is useful, uh, because it, it motivates you, but you know, it's, I've lived such a fortunate life, you know, and I've, I've, I've had so many resources available to me and have so many people just had the ability to meet incredible people, um, who've supported me. And if, if I look at it, you know, there's this feeling like when you're, you know, you're young and you're ambitious and you want so badly to succeed, it's, it's oftentimes anxiety can just kind of drive that, that ambition. Um, and you feel like you have to achieve something in order to succeed. Um, but as I've gotten older, I've realized that you know, it's about the journey ultimately. Like you're not, there's nothing, there's no fixed point I'm really aiming for. I'm just trying to use my abilities and the resources, you know, that I have available to me to grow and improve and do, you know, learn things and create things. And that doesn't really ever end. And so there's no point stressing, <laughs> you know, yeah. just enjoy it, enjoy the journey, enjoy the process. And, you know, I do wish that I had known that when I was 20, um, but in a lot of ways, it's, it's something you have to kind of just learn with experience. So at this point um, in my 30s, you know, I'm just, uh, my goal is just to enjoy every day and enjoy the process. Yeah, that's good. No, thank you so much for that point and for your insights, Prina. It was good to have you on the show. Uh, thanks, Thomas. My pleasure. I really enjoyed it. <laughs>